Matt McKeever, thank you so much for coming back on the REI Dad podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me back. We, uh, we, we chatted after our last interview and I had asked you about um, wholesaling. And uh, there's a lot of demand here in the Edmonton, Alberta area. You know, a lot of people are looking to start a wholesaling business. It's very popular because like, you know, it's, if you don't have cash or resources, you got to make those, that cash and you got to make mm-hmm. those resources in order to, to start buying more passive uh, real estate investments. So would you be able to explain to me how you run your wholesaling business or maybe start off with the basics of wholesaling and then kind of get into how someone can create a business out of it and start making some active income? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about wholesaling first, just to really get a firm understanding behind what wholesaling is. I find there's a lot of misconceptions around wholesaling. At the end of the day, all we're doing is assigning a contract. And so what that means, and I'm going to talk in Ontario specific rules, but realistically, most of this will apply across Canada, outside of BC's kind of implemented some different restrictions. So if you're in BC, you guys will have to do a little bit deeper dive to really get an understanding of your own legislation there. But otherwise, across Canada, if you've got a legal interest in a contract, you can always assign that contract unless the contract specifically states otherwise that like it's non-assignable. So for example, a lot of real estate contracts won't state that it's not assignable, which means that in theory, we can assign it. Um, Now again, we'll get into some of the business practices a little bit later, but just so people understand. So in essence, when I enter into a purchase and sale agreement and I sign it and the seller signs it, we've now both committed to it. Once value has been exchanged, so once I put down my initial deposit, and literally I could write in like a $1 or $2 deposit in order to hold this contract as being valid, now I actually have an interest in this contract. Mm. I can then go choose to either close on this property myself or assign it to another individual. And if I choose to assign it to another individual, if I so choose and they choose, we can enter into a separate side agreement, an assignment agreement, where they, they'll compensate me for my interest in this contract. Now, this maybe sounds a little convoluted if you guys have never actually heard of wholesaling. So let's just walk through like a simple example. Let's say I find a property and it, you know, fair market value is 100. And I get it under contract for 75. Well, I, in theory, could go buy the property for 75 and then put it back up on the MLS and sell it for 100 if that was the fair market value. Mm. Alternatively, I could turn around and sell it to Wayne for $5,000, my contract, making his total cost now 80000 and he can turn around and sell it on the MLS for that difference. Right. Now, again, that's a very simple process, and it's going to be rare that when you're wholesaling, you're buying a turnkey property. So usually there's things like deferred maintenance and other issues, very similar to what you'd see with a flipper. Mm-hmm. But the way I like to describe wholesaling is it's flipping paper. Right. And again, at first, sometimes, you know, sellers or their representatives can be a little bit off put by the concept. But again, if we take a step back and depersonalize it, I think you'll find that it actually makes a lot of sense. So for example, myself, I like doing almost anything with a business partner, just the way I'm hardwired. I'm willing to let Matt McKeever down every day of the week, but the moment there's someone else that's counting on me, I just can't. I just can't do it to them. (laughs) I won't let them down. So I love building in partnerships into my business models because I know it's going to get more out of me. So 
the way I used to do my contracts even before I was wholesaling is I'd always have an assignment clause in there because I wouldn't know which partner I was going to take this deal down with. I'd be like, I don't know if Matt McKeever's buying it personally. I don't know if my buddy Dave's going to buy it in his name, if my buddy Adam, or maybe we'll set up a new corporation and buy it in that corporation. Do you have a problem with that, Mr. Seller? No, of course not. That seems very reasonable. Well, this is really just taking it one step further, but instead of JVing with that person on the flip or the burr or whatever, I'm just going to sell it instead to them and now they can go do it. Right. So in essence, like on the real basic level, that's all wholesaling is, is selling flipping paper, selling your, your contracts that you have an interest in. Now where a lot of people get themselves in trouble with this is they don't get a proper contract. So until we've got a contract here in Ontario, Canada, you can't broker real estate without a license. Right. So what that means is I can't represent a seller or a buyer without a realtor license. But once I have a stake in that property, I'm no longer representing anyone other than myself. So the moment I have an accepted contract in which value has been exchanged, I now have something of value, which is this contract. And now I can go turn around and sell that contract and make money off of that. that so, really, sorry, continue. Oh, so then the next thing I want to address here when we're talking about wholesaling is a lot of people have heard of bad actors in this space. I want to be very clear. There's bad actors anywhere that you find humans. So whether you're looking at realtors, contractors, accountants, lawyers, doctors, wholesalers, doesn't matter. There are bad people everywhere. I don't believe that there's an overly disproportionate amount of bad actors in real estate or wholesaling or realtors or anything for that matter. I just think it's all made up of humans. Some of them naturally less good than the others. Yeah. So a lot of people have heard of stories, especially in the U.S., of predatory practices where people are taking advantage. You know, like they're like, oh, so you go in and you steal grandma's house. That's what you do. How huh? big wholesaler. I like I empathize with that. And I understand if that's what I was doing, you have a right to be mad at me for doing that. But what we actually do is solve problems. It, like, I mean, I'm wearing right now a hat that says pro pro uh, problems or profits. And that's how I view everything. And so there's a lot of properties out there that don't fit into the normal box. And for a multitude of reasons, it could be, you know, deferred maintenance issues around that. We, we buy a lot of properties from hoarders. So just people that don't want strangers in their house. They mm -hmm. don't want their friends and neighbors to see how they live. And again, a lot of people assume that these people must be, you know, um, hard, hard done by individuals and people that don't have personal agency or the ability capacity to enter into a contract. One great thing about being in Canada is that every real estate transaction, at least to my knowledge in every jurisdiction in Canada, is going to be reviewed by a real estate lawyer or it's going to be reviewed by a lawyer. And so that lawyer actually has an obligation to ensure their client has capacity. So one, we're in Canada, it's less likely that we're going to end up buying a property off of someone that has a capacity issue because their lawyer is going to spot it. So one, that even removes the temptation for bad actors to move into this space in Canada versus the US. But secondly, you know, again, like there's people that like, there's, for example, I won't name the, the specific city, but like, there's a wholesaler I know that bought a property off of a judge. And this judge, you know, like, again, not necessarily who you would think, but they had a house that they kept their cats in. And so literally had dozens and dozens of cats. They were a cat hoarder. <laughs> and so because they're a high prominent standing member of society, they don't want their peers to know that they've got a cat house, right? And so when they decide to dispose of that, under no circumstances can they let anyone else know 
what they have, right? They're not, I'm sure maybe they're breaking some SPC rules or something like some yeah. um, animal rights rules. But outside of that, they're not really breaking any hard laws, right? Like yeah. it's not like I'm buying a meth lab. It's literally just like a quirky situation. And honestly, that's the vast majority of the deals we buy are quirky situations. You really? know, we bought one property from a lady who was in tears when we bought the property because she brought in three realtors before us. Every one of the realtors had told her her house was unsellable that the only way she'd ever sell it is if she did this giant laundry list of fixes because she had a bunch of complicated rental contracts on her property, including a solar contract for the roof that was done by this really predatory company. Um, grasshopper. I hate you. And uh, we won't get Shout down out to that grasshopper. But, uh, <laughs> and like she'd been taken advantage by all these door to door salesmen right. to the point where like her property based upon three different realtors opinions wasn't sellable. We come in and we're like, this is messy, lady. Like, we can give you this crazy low price or we can give you a slightly better price, but you're going to have to help us clean up all these contracts. We'll work with you. Like, we'll get on the phone with Grasshopper and we'll negotiate with you to get to the bottom of this. But just so you know, like, we're either going to have to pay this crazy low price, which the realtors told you, or we can come in a bit better, but you're going to have, have to help us navigate it. And so we helped her navigate through all these complicated contracts. Wow. You know, we've bought properties off of someone like they come into a big inheritance. And so now it's time to level up and money no longer becomes their primary motivator. I think that really is the number one obstacle a lot of people have in regards to wholesaling, assuming that money is always the number one motivator for anyone selling. A lot of the time it is. And a lot of the time, that's why a lot of people are better served going to realtor.ca and selling their property there. Right. But there's other times it's not. As well, there's other times where the seller wants to maximize the money they keep versus the money they sell it for. So here in Canada, there's a lot of benefits to uh, seller financing, vendor take back mortgages. Mm -hmm. There's aspects to capital gains tax where you can defer and smooth that burden over the course of up to five years, depending upon how you structure that deal. Mm. Again, trying to sell a VTB deal on MLS can actually be complicated and more hassle than it's worth. And so oftentimes what a seller wants is just a competent buyer to come in and be like, hey, no matter what, I got this. I can do it. And then finally, a lot of the properties we deal with wouldn't qualify for traditional financing. The moment it doesn't qualify for traditional financing and a lender, if it's not considered livable condition anymore, or it doesn't conform to existing bylaws and things of that nature, often the buyer pool dries up and it's a very small segment to begin with. And mm -hmm. so again, a lot of sellers get frustrated. They list their property on the MLS. They get a bunch of like great bids, but then once the buyer realizes it can't qualify for traditional financing, they have sale after sale after sale fall through. So right. for us, wholesaling is really just about finding unique opportunities and structuring unique win-win deals with the seller. So I just wanted to make sure that I kind of put a lot of the misconceptions I come across in regards to wholesaling to bid before we even really get into the business and what my day-to-day -day business looks like. For sure. So, so what is that day-to-day -day business? What is, what is your team doing on a daily basis? Yeah. So the, what's the, making offers. That's what my team does. We literally have like, I started 2020 with this theme, make more offers, make more money, make mm -hmm. more offers, get more deals. And that's really what my team is. So I've now got four full-time wholesalers here in Southwestern Ontario and one offer specialist. Now there's a lot of different ways you can build out your wholesaling business. And 
you know, we won't have time to explore all those different avenues. For most people, when you start off day one, it's just going to be you. And that's fine. And again, you're just going to go out there and generate leads and opportunities. And then you're going to make offers on those leads and opportunities. Sometimes they're going to stick. Then you're going to see if you can assign the contract, make some money. Excellent. Move on. Maybe you'll close on some of them. You'll have to figure it out yourself. Um, in regards to what my team's doing, we've segmented the process. So I've got my guys on lead gen and disposition. We've got a separate offer specialist who writes all of our offers and just kind of double checks um, their business model and things of that nature. A big part of wholesaling is making sure that you've got a real deal. So a lot of the people that I see get into this game that don't understand how it works is the problem is they're not getting real opportunities. They're not getting real deals. So just because you got it for 5% below asking doesn't mean that it's a deal. Like literally the asking price to me is just an arbitrary number that almost, almost has no information in it other than maybe that's what a seller would like. But beyond knowing that it's really not that helpful. So as a wholesaler, we actually need to start with the end user in mind, right? Like, you know, no one wants to, no real estate investor wants to buy a deal unless they're going to step into equity or the opportunity to make equity right off the bat, right? Just the way it goes. Again, a lot of people naturally hear that and they think, well, then you must be taking advantage of someone if you're stepping into equity, right? To me, we wholesale deals that are on the MLS. We wholesale deals that are private. We wholesale anything that's real estate related. So you know, this assumption that if you're walking into equity, that the seller must be losing out on equity that they should receive really comes down to a misunderstanding around information and information asymmetry. Mm -hmm. So everything and every business, in my opinion, in life is oriented around information asymmetry. The reason that I pay my lawyer or my accountant three or $500 an hour is because they know more about the law than I do. If I knew enough about the law that I didn't have to pay them, I probably wouldn't. But again, I don't get mad that they know more about the law than I do. They spend a lot of time and energy becoming law experts. So mm -hmm. I'm happy to pay a law expert to help me in that aspect. The same thing comes with real estate investors or wholesalers. You, this isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is real estate to me is a get rich for sure. But right. it, it's potentially going to be slow unless you really focus on building an active business around it. So for us, it's about gathering as much information as possible, understanding the seller's underlying motivations and trying to structure a deal that both works for us and our potential investor buyer, as well as for the seller. So right. for us, it's really about getting down to their, the real why behind why they're selling. Why are you selling? Why now? Why talk to me? And we'll often take ownership of the situation and be like, hey, it's kind of weird that you're calling me a wholesaler and not a realtor. Why are we even talking today, right? Like, Let's yeah. chat. There must be something unusual going on. And sometimes we'll find people that are just like, well, your flyer said you, you make cash offers. So I want your best offer. You know, I want top dollar. I know exactly what the market is. And I just finished renovating my property. My neighbor sold for 500, but my house is nicer. So it's at least worth six. I'm like, Hey man, sounds like you've done a lot of research on the market. That's excellent. Just so you know, it says that we make fast offers, not that we make the highest offers. So if you want the highest offer, you're probably better off trying to get into a bidding war on realtor.ca. But I understand that there's pros and cons that come to that aspect of selling your property. You know, you're going to have a lot of people come through. Maybe you like that. Maybe you don't. If you don't, you might like me better because I can literally make you an offer without ever stepping into your property. Ideally, what I'd ask is you go around and you're going to shoot a video and just show me the inside of your property. But I can literally tell you roughly where we're at without wasting my time or your time. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's attractive to some people. It might not be attractive to you. And if not, no harm, no foul. I'm in the business of buying houses, not buying everyone's house. And again, sometimes wholesalers get this emotional attachment where they think that they need to like get a deal on every property. There's certain deals where there's just no opportunity there. There's no information asymmetry and it doesn't make sense. So again, oftentimes we're referring people back to realtor.ca if we can't help them in their specific situation. Do they ever come back to you afterwards? (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think like, yeah, like we've had a few times where then they're like, okay, well maybe I don't need absolute top dollar. Like tell me what you're thinking and then we'll figure it out. And you know, every now and then we're able to get a price that sticks, but usually we actually start really getting into the meat of the subject and we discover that top price wasn't most important right. top price, but also selling in 30 days. And it's like, Oh, well, there's a little bit of an asterisk there because you know, that, that emotional home buyer, they need a 90 day close because they need to sell their own house first or right. whatever the case is in regards to disposing of that property. Um, so sorry to come back full circle to your original question. What my guys do is really focused on making offers. So I'm a huge believer in KPIs, so key performance indicators. If you're going to run a business, you need to have some KPIs. If you guys are looking for how to get dialed in on what your KPIs are, I'd recommend checking out a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Amazing book. And in that book, it talks about lead and lag measures. A lot of us are focused only on lag measures. And a lag measure is a measure that occurs after success. So in wholesaling, it would be my wholesale fee getting that check, right? The check you see all the US wholesalers post on their social media stories, that's a lag measure. A lead measure is something that comes before success, but it's critical to the success. For me, the number one key lead measure in wholesaling is offers made because it's completely under my control. I can control how many offers I send out a day. I can't control how many sellers will accept my offer. That's outside of my control. So it's unrealistic to make that my key lead measure because it needs to be completely under my control. Mm-hmm. So my guys really have one job every day, which is to make at least one offer. That's their number one goal every single day. And we kind of game the system a bit. So we count an offer, a private deal is an offer. We count an MLS offer, so a realtor.ca deal as a 0.5. So you need to make two MLS offers or one private offer every day on my team. And we just have the data behind us that know if you consistently do that, Maybe you won't get your first deal in your first 30 days, but you will in your first 60 days. If you make 60 offers in the next 60 days, you're going to learn so much. You're going to become so much more proficient. And here's, I had one student take it to the extreme. He was like, okay, well, if making an offer a day is a good idea, I'm going to make five offers a day for a month. And you know what happened? He didn't hit five offers a day every day, but he did for 20 of those 30 days. Oh, really? And so Spencer made a hundred offers in his first 30 days as a serious real estate investor. Honestly, guys, I suspect that you could go meet a lot of successful investors that have been in the game for five or 10 years that may have not made a hundred offers. So think about how he was able to compress time. In mm-hmm. my, in my previous episode, I talked about return on time being so important. We need to compress time. We need to compress how fast we learn shit. Way too often, we know that we'll eventually get around to figuring something out. So we use that almost as a scapegoat to not learn it today or not take action today. For me, wholesaling is all about speed, like speed to lead. So you just need to get out there, make connections. Real estate's a contact sport. So the more contacts you make, the more opportunities. 
-hmm. And I like to tell all my wholesalers that offer you made isn't guaranteed money, but it's your lottery ticket. If you don't make an offer today, just know you didn't buy a lottery ticket. So there's no chance of winning. The same reason that the reason I make a YouTube video every day is that's my lottery ticket for going viral. Doesn't mean I'm going to go viral, but I can guarantee you I won't go viral if I don't make a YouTube video. I can guarantee you, you won't make money as a wholesaler if you don't make an offer. That's, that's powerful, man. That's really powerful. <laughs> I, I have two questions and, and, and I go back to, you know, my thoughts of, I, I try, I try and make sure that any segments that I do on the podcast that uh, someone comes here for, with a question, something that's preventing them from taking action and making sure that once they finish listening to this, they can literally go and take action. So, you know, just for me personally, because I don't have a whole lot of experience in wholesaling, I have two questions and hopefully they provide value to the listeners. One is when you are making offers on realtor.ca, are you contacting the, the, the other, the selling realtor directly or are you having your realtor contact them? Ideally, you're going to have your realtor contact them. Otherwise, you're going to have to re-explain shit every time. And it's really a hodgepodge of whether a realtor is going to get it or not. So in my teaching and my training, I like to uh, talk about what I call a comp realtor. And a comp realtor is your number one realtor. It's, it's the realtor that you're building a long-term relationship with. Now, we also need to live just honestly and transparently with our realtor and ourselves. We're real estate investors. We're in the business of doing deals. Whoever can introduce you to a deal, you need to do business with that person. So I make it very clear to my comp realtor that like, hey, you know what? I'm going to ask you to do more for me than any other realtor I deal with. So here's the ground rules. And it's important you set expectations from the outset with your realtor. And you guys can have your own ground rules. But the way my ground rules look like is this. One, you're my comp realtor. It means I'm going to ask you for comparable sales. It means I'm going to ask you for a lot more information than your average client. I get it. I'm going to be a pain in the ass. I'm also going to do a lot of deals privately, which means you're not necessarily going to get paid on every deal. Again, a pain in the ass. I get it. But understand, I'm a real estate investor who's in this for the long term. And so what that means is I'm constantly meeting other successful real estate investors. They constantly want references. I will reference you every single time. Anyone says London, Ontario, I say Jeff Weibel. That's just the way it works, right? Like that's part of my relationship with Jeff. And so just so you know, I need you to become financially successful because I'm going to be in this game for 10, 20 years. So I need you in this game for 10, 20 years too, because yeah. I don't want to train a new realtor every two years. Um, cause that just doesn't work for me either. So your success is just as important as my financial success as well. If you ever introduce me to a deal, if you're the first one to introduce me to that deal, know that you'll always get paid. So if you call me up first and you're like, Hey, one, two, three main street, let's go. If you're the first one to call me about one, two, three main street. I don't care if my second favorite or like, I don't care if my least favorite realtor calls me about one, two, three main street first, he deserves it. He's right. getting paid. And if you're my comp realtor and you introduce me first, you're going to get paid as well. If you're my comp realtor, any property you sell to me, if I'm going to resell it, I will always list with you. So you get all my listings. So like, don't worry about that. You're going to get some money on the back end too. But I'm going to constantly be plugging you at networking events, da, 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 da. And it's really just about building that strong relationship with that realtor. And it takes time. And some realtors are going to be skittish because they've dealt with shitty investors. Because again, investors are just humans and there's some shitty humans out there. And so if they've dealt with them, they might be gun shy to get into another partnership or another relationship with another investor. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we understand it's a two way street. 
So the one thing that drives me crazy that I see way too many investors do first meeting with a realtor is, Hey, will you cut your commission? I'm just like, are you crazy? Like this person is going to be critical to your success and you're immediately asking them to cut money, right? Like, could you imagine if like you went in for a job interview and the person's like, Hey, you seem like a good fit. Will you take half the money? You'd be like, what? No, like that wasn't part of the salary (laughs) range we just discussed. So for me, I'm never asking my comp realtor specifically to cut commission. Never. In fact, like when I'm listing a property, I'll often encourage him to make his margin bigger. I'll be like, Hey, it's usually standard for four, four and a half percent total commission here in London. I'll be like, do five. Cause I want, I want it to be juicy for the buyer's agent that comes in. You know, if there's a greedy agent that will push his client to my house versus another, because he's going to make a little bit more, let's do it. And let's make you a little bit more too. And for me, it's about building that long-term relationship. So also don't be the investor. That's like, I bought two properties with that realtor last year. He didn't cut his commission and he didn't like take me to the lease. I'm like, man, you should take him to the lease. Like I literally take my, my lawyer, my real estate lawyer out for dinner. How many people do you think take their lawyer out for dinner? Well, I can tell you with my lawyer, it's me. There's no one else that takes him out for dinner. Right. Let alone then picks up the bill and insists on picking up the bill. Right. He's used to like, Oh, like, are you sure? Usually clients, like, usually I'm the one that I'm like, no man, like you are critical to my success. And so I want you to like me, right? Like anyone that's critical to my success, I want them to know, like, and trust me. Mm. And so that's critical. And so we need to build that deep relationship with a comp realtor so that they're willing to go the extra mile for us because we're going to be constantly asking them to go the extra mile. Um, So that was a long answer, but I think it was important because a lot of people would be like, well, why would my realtor want to go make a bunch of lowball offers that are going to impact his reputation? True. So you're going to need to be able to rationalize and justify that as well. So we're not just picking arbitrary numbers. We're reverse engineering where we need to be. Hey, based upon the comps, I'm seeing the properties like this sell for 400 fixed up. Your property needs about $100,000 in renovations. I'm also an investor. I don't do deals unless I can make money. My minimum margin is $30,000 profit. So if my minimum margin is 30, and your renovations going to cost me a hundred. Well, that means I need to buy this for 130 less than the ARV, which means we're coming in at 270 maximum allowable offer. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I actually think I might want to wholesale this deal. So I need to fatten my margin a bit so I can sell it to a different flipper who wants to make that 30,000. So now all of a sudden I need to buy it for 260. And like, again, I've got logic behind me. I'm not simply telling my realtor, Hey, go out, offer 50% on every property on the market. Because, yeah, that's going to burn their reputation. That's going to burn their name. And it doesn't even make sense. What if that person listed the price for four times fair market value? All of a sudden, you're like, well, now you're just getting it for, you know, not a deal whatsoever. So, again, way too often, I see people thinking that they're being slick when really they're being transactional. And I really encourage everyone listening to this. Be relationship-oriented. If you're in this for the long haul, relationships are realistically all you need to focus on and everything else will fall into place eventually um but yeah yeah well you you read my mind because you 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 obviously knew what my next question was was that everyone wants to know well how do i know if it's a good deal so how do you calculate you know what you can pay as compared to what it's going to be worth afterwards and what kind of a buffer do you put in place in order to make sure that you don't fail at the very worst case you want to make sure that you break even right Mm -hmm. and so the key is we're going to always remove emotion So we're just going to focus on the data and the numbers. Mm. And so 
if you don't know what the ARV or the fair market value fixed up for that property is, understand that that's a giant red flashing light strobing, right? Being like, danger, danger. You're getting emotional because you haven't looked at the comps. You haven't looked at the numbers. And again, a lot of like, I see so many new investors try and cut corners here and they'll be like, well, it's hard to find a comp realtor. So I'm just going to offer 10% under ask and assume it's a deal. I'm like, you're just wasting everyone's time, man. Like mm. you need the data. You need to become a local expert if you really want to succeed at real estate investing. Wholesaling, again, great way to make active income and force yourself to become a local expert, but it's not a get rich quick scheme. And I know that there's gurus and guys out there pitching it like it is. It isn't. I think it's a great way to learn a lot of the fundamentals of real estate and get into real estate without necessarily having a lot of your own money, depending upon how you set up and structure your wholesale business. But again, there's hard work no matter what. I haven't figured out a way to make lots of money and do no hard work. If I do, I promise to sell you guys my $1,000 e-course on how to do it. But <laughs> until then, just understand that everything you want is on the opposite side of hard work. Yeah. Matt, thanks so much for sharing all that. That's, it, like I said, it gave me enough confidence and information that I can go and take action. And that's, and that's what I want from these podcast segments is so that you know, someone can search this get the answers that they want and actually go and take action. So thank you again, Matt, very, very, very much for sharing that. Happy to help. All right, man. You have a good one. You too.